Give us any chance, we'll take it. Read us any rule, we'll break it. We're gonna make our dreams come true. Welcome to Nafjahead Podcast by Eight Cents of the Row. I'm Lisa Fernandez and I am also Lisa Fernandez. Oh wait, 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 no, I'm sorry. Hang on. No, I'm Chris Wardner. Hello. We're identical cousins. This is the other woman we're about to review. So it's six of Laverne Shirley. Directed by Arthur Silver and written by Joanne Pagliaro. And I bet you some facts about them, don't you, Chris? Yeah, we got some cool little factoids coming up later in the program. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And here's what the episode's about. Shirley has fallen head over heels for the handsome pediatrician, Mark McKenzie, who has recently begun to hang around the Lowell Vista building. He seems crazy about her, too. But there's only two problems with him. He's fairly recently estranged from his wife, and he comes complete with a young son named Bobby. Shirley doesn't know she's a spitting image of the classy blonde Diana. At least until Laverne bumps into the other woman. But some very strong hints on their date let Shirley know that Mark's not over his wife. Once Shirley meets the woman herself, she realizes Mark is rejecting his love for Diana onto her. Which one will Mark choose? Elsewhere, Laverne, Lenny, and Squiggy bond with Bobby, while Laverne makes her official singing debut at Cowboy Bills and bombs. Well, uh, I kudos to the show. I can't believe they were actually able to get Cindy Williams for this episode to play the other woman. It's amazing, amazing guest performance. Uh, Yeah, this was good. Um, I remember when we watched this that we both were commenting that it was very strong. And the what really surprises me is there's a lot of like solid elements, even if it's like I can't say this is one of those like the best of the best kind of episodes. Yeah, but it's a really it's a really good one with some really strong elements to it. Um, I loved how much Laverne got to do this one, even though it's a uh, Shirley focused episode. Yeah. And, um, and Shirley herself gets some really good chances for acting and character. And I got to say, uh, Bobby is one of the best guest kid, uh, kid actors they've had on the show. Shout out to Keith Coogan. He's really, really good in this part. Uh, this is one of those episodes where I know it's not, a important episode i know it's not a vital episode i know it's not a cream of the cream of the crop episode but i'm extremely fond of it i have a lot of fondness for this episode i really enjoy it a lot mm-hmm. the rapport between laverne and bobby is really nice to watch uh the message is really good and it's nice to see shirley be presented with something that she wants desperately deciding that she's not going to get it at any cost whatsoever she has a moral horizon and this is crossing. yeah it's there's almost something kind of surrealist about the way this is done where it's um i can't remember there's a particular film that deals with this topic i can't remember if it was like Buñuel or agnes agnes varda or somebody where it's about the the doppelganger you know woman and it takes you a while to realize that they're two separate people but they're sort of like reflections of the same person and it feels like shirley's getting to see this glimpse of the life that she wanted but yeah. realizing, kind of having to kind of almost come to understand that she would have had to have come from a different background and be a different person to get in that position. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a sliding doors kind of situation where if mm-hmm. she'd met the right guy at the right time, she would be this mother uh, in a uh, suburban setting with a kid and married to that doctor and rich and cultured. And she gets to look at Diana and realize that it's not always um, greener on the other side of the septic tank, as Irma Bombeck once said. <laughs> uh, 
you know, Diana and Mark have a lot of problems. Their marriage isn't perfect. So even though she laments the loss of this doctor guy, who frankly is kind of bland and not the best to her, she um, you know, makes a moral decision, reaches a moral horizon, and realizes that, yeah, I want to marry a doctor, I want to marry up, and want to have kids, but not like this. So. Yeah, exactly. Like there's a yeah. there's an element of she would be taking it's like she's not the home wrecker, but she would be stopping the process of them putting the house back together. Um yeah. because it because th- what's very interesting about the relationship of the Mackenzie family, they're decent people, but they're going through a rough patch is kind of what seems to be happening here because you know, Bobby's, I actually really like that Bobby's acting out, but he's a generally a good kid. He's just very frustrated. And, yeah. you know, like a lot of yeah. kids of divorced families, he's, he's going through a rough time. Diana was the one who broke off the relationship and was the separation and has gotten to the point of realizing I may have made a mistake. Yeah. And um, you and I also had even talked about how like Mark, we weren't even sure what caused the breakup and it might've yeah. been, he had done the mistake of, you know, going around with somebody else or talking about something else, yeah. you know, talking about possibly doing something else, yeah. seeing other people, et cetera. And um, really realized after he didn't have Diana anymore that like, oh my God, this is, I can't, I can't not have this. I would rather, this is the greatest thing that in my life, you know, is this family and this relationship and I'm a fool. So yeah. it, it's yeah. it, that low, those levels of maturity was kind of refreshing to see. I guess, even though it's it's not, and also with the maturity that it's not shown as perfect. It's um, it's not a sunshine and rainbow sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the other side doesn't exactly have it as easy as she thinks it, or thought that they did. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and in the end, there's a lot to be recommended here. Laverne's kind of spreading her wings and trying to become this folk singer, uh, in the poor and doing poorly. But not giving up, mm-hmm. and her family loves, and her family's very supportive and loving. Supportive yeah, oh, Papa's so her. proud of her. Yeah. I, uh, I love how Frank has become like he was so angry in the early days, and like yeah. as we've we've talked before, like yeah. California has made him and Edna sort of yeah. like blossom. mellow, yeah. and exactly blossom. Yeah, it's a really good way to put it. Like yeah. it's like ah, I'm gonna release yeah. my petals yeah. and pol- yeah. and uh, and pollinate. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> hey oh. Um, but, uh, yeah, the way you were pointing out to me as well, like how he's, he's, uh, trying to help her through the song, you know, uh, with the, with the lyrics. Don't cut your hair. (laughs) Beautiful. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Yeah. Beautiful. He's really supportive of her here. Uh, Frank has kind of developed and grown from the guy who's desperately, desperately, desperately trying to shove his daughter at any Italian man who's willing to be a little grandchild to a guy who's sitting there going, yeah, yeah, my muffin can sing. My mm-hmm. muffin can play the guitar. My muffin's good at songwriting, you know? Mm-hmm. And in spite of all the little flaws in Laverne's singing, everyone around her uh, loves her and wants her to succeed here. So yeah. that's always enjoyable to see. That's always enjoyable to follow. And and to that end with Laverne as well, she she and Bobby have such a great rapport and great yes. um interaction with each other, as you were saying. Yes. I, I loved getting to see Laverne in babysitter slash mom mode. Yes. It's it's something we don't see very, you know, regularly. Like we've seen kind of facets of it. Yes. Uh the one that kept coming to mind for this one, especially when she's working with Shirley, is like the pact. Um yes. but um but with Bobby, what was really sweet was how 
it made Laverne come off as somebody who finally is like processed more of what she's gone through in her life. Yeah. And she's trying to pass that kind of adjuster spirit like you know hey you know yeah. everything's not great it'd be great if your mom and dad were back together and everybody's happy but she's like well yeah but then you can uh but then you can have um the um uh, what you call it the um birthday presents birthday presents birthday. you know coming out the wazoo yeah. you know yeah yeah i love the fact that um this kind of reflects laverne's look at uh, the way she looks at romance this reflects the way she looks at life like even our song here, mm -hmm. well, life is the pit, and it sucks a lot, <laughs> but uh, it's worth it. Good uh, blown to bits. <laughs> but uh, but if life just ain't fair and we're going nowhere, don't cut yeah. your hair because you have to be hair. you. Yeah, yeah. You can see Laverne. You can already picture Laverne over in the hippie movement. Oh yeah. We don't really get to see a lot of, but we get to see a little hint of in season eight. Mm hmm. She does get involved in some counterculture stuff. As we pointed pointed out, the uh, what was it, the the um, Protestant and Democrat, and then yeah. Catholic and Teamster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's them. That's them in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. That is just them completely broken down to their basic elements. These two different women. Yeah. Uh, it's worth noting here. Rhonda is jealous of Shirley. Mm -hmm. Very jealous of Shirley. Uh, she also thinks Shirley is underage, which is why she's dating a pediatrician, which is an interesting. <laughs> yeah, thought. that that was that was uh, that was an interesting bit. Um, but I I was uh, I was also surprised that Rhonda was a little kinder to Shirley, which I'm wondering if also what that means is she sees Laverne as more of a threat. And so she is kind of nicer to Shirley. You know, she has a bit of a difference. Yeah. yeah. I do wonder to what extent uh, that is Rhonda feeling that Shirley is much more malleable and so that, you know, and more uh, manipulative, yeah. manipulatable. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and for once, Rhonda is actually, uh, actually cares about somebody else here. Mm -hmm. She actually cares about somebody else and somebody else's motives and worries about uh, something being wrong with Shirley and Shirley getting taken advantage of. Maybe because she's been taken advantage of before. After all, it's Hollywood. Exactly. And that's what I kind of wonder yeah. about the, the pediatrician line leading to her asking, what's his name? And it's uh, and she says, yeah, Mark McKenzie. And she and yeah. Rhonda goes, phew, I've never heard of him. And yeah. there, there's definitely, I think there's an element of they, she knows, okay, you're not competing with the guy I'm after. But it's also a possibility that she knows some of the pediatricians are kind of kind of rough yeah. and maybe not you know sort of like this is a precious shirley flower let's not let's not expose her to the elements or worse that um you know that uh, yeah it's uh yeah that she's been uh taken advantage of so to speak uh by uh people who have uh pretended to be doctors and mm -hmm. thus but aren't right so that's a possibility too a very ugly possibility but considering you know where the show goes sometimes totally I do yeah. love uh, Rhonda's, um, I just assumed you were very sick or dying or something, and it made me think that she would have been very funny in the Mortician episode. Yeah, yes. I can picture her just seeing through a lot of their schemes. Like, like she's kind of the Rosie figure we've been looking for, yet not. Because she is even more cutthroat than Rosie socially. But with her own Hollywood veneer, with her own motivations, mm -hmm. her own opinions. Mm -hmm. so. Right. But not, not a direct carbon copy in any respect, but... Uh, yeah. And yes. matter of fact, yeah. I would love to see Rhonda and Rosie square off, to be honest. That'd be fun. 
that would be really a lot of fun. Mm. Yeah. But. Um. So so we got introduced. We can see that Laverne has a Rappaport here with Bobby. Mm-hmm. With the woman burning the dinosaur and truly desperately, desperately banging on her friend in an attempt at uh, banging on her friend, in a desperate attempt at getting her to uh, take this kid away so she can have alone time with her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Which but is which is done he, very cute. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. And the kid here has quite a pedigree. This is uh, Keith Coogan. Yes. Uh, he is in multiple um, films in the 80s. He was a well-known child actor. Uh, it's likely that people listening to this podcast probably know him either from Adventures in Babysitting. Mm-hmm. He plays Brad, the um, lovelorn kid who's pining after Chris in that movie. And he's in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. He's the dishes are done, man, kid. Correct? I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. I think I think so. I actually yeah. have not seen all of Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Yes. Yeah, I know. It's 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 a long story. Uh, the movie I'm familiar with him, though, of course, is Toy Soldiers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, ah, the, that's the, a good pick, actually. Yeah, because because that was, uh, you know, because when I was a kid, um, my dad and I watched like every Die Hard ripoff or Die Hard on us on a blank, you know, or in a blank that you could watch at that time that we could get from Hollywood and Blockbuster. So, yeah. but yeah, but uh, Keith yeah. Coogan, yeah, super active child actor. He'd been like on the Waltons and the Mackenzie's of Paradise Cove and stuff. And he yeah. was in tons of shows and showed up on like Knight Rider and Mork and Mindy. Yeah. Uh, he's excellent here. And you can see that this kid is an actor. And the fact that he's yeah. still acting to this day makes a lot of sense because yeah. he loves the craft. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's really cool on Twitter and on Instagram. He interacts with people like, spoke about this episode, talked about how it was a positive experience. He had Fraser Gary Marshall. And uh, he's done a lot of digital series. He's acting in various things, various roles. And he's, um, seems like, it seems like he turned out pretty good. Good for him. Good for him. That's, that's rare. Yeah. It's interesting. The, the, you know, on almost like a complete opposite end is uh, Paul Tully as Mark. Uh, Yeah. He was a, a kind of established TV player by this time. He'd been like, you know, like he would just get like a spot here or there. So he's like, like a Lou Grant, uh, a Mannix, a um, couple episodes of Police Story. You know, and then, you know, he continues in TV after this. A couple of sojourns into cinema. Like uh, he's one of the teachers in Real Genius and uh, has a small part in uh, Joy of Sex. But he yeah. kind of seems like he sort of retired. He just stayed active off and on as an actor through the 90s a little of the aughts but he's kind of slowed down but what's what's kind of it's so it's kind of interesting to contrast that these two meet at this juncture and you have this really super talented super gung-ho like this is yeah okay this is my life now i'm an actor uh kid actor and the adult who you would expect to be the one that actually would stick around ends up you know just doing tv doing some small parts and then he's like all right bye-bye yeah yeah sometimes it just turns out that way you you can never predict the future Mm-hmm. Never ever predict the future from what you think it's gonna be. So Shirley totally owe, owes Laverne for this in a way. She totally does really owe her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whenever I see this episode, I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is one of those things you do for your best friend, but you're like, oh, you're gonna get you later. Mm-hmm. Um, Shirley wears her counterpart of the checkerboard dress that we see uh, Laverne in. And we saw Laverne in the previous episode. Yes, yeah, it's uh, super. And I love it, that. Oh, it's so yeah. I love the the detail of that, and it's just God, it's yeah. cute. It's so cute. It's perfect. I lo- I love that. Whole, there is a publicity photograph of two of them wearing those outfits. It's really adorable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will. We will put that on Still Store. Yeah. Future Chris. Yeah. Future me. Put up a picture on Still Store, please. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So you expressed your dislike of Mark. I noted that he's smarmy in my notes. Yeah. 
he's cute, but I have issue with the fact of his a sort of a dishonesty or his delusion with himself about the situation he's currently in because he um you know I, I you know you and I have talked about this multiple times we've even talked about this I think even on the podcast to an extent that there's a certain like upfrontness that I prefer when people are dealing with these situations that when you move from one relationship to the next that, that you have to be very clear about I want to move forward and you're very clear with whatever partner comes around that, you know, you say, okay, I'm getting out of a relationship here once I'm different. But here he is so much clearly just seeking this substitution that surely, although he's treating her, he's trying to treat her like a person, but it's still in some ways, she's just kind of like a doll for him. And, yeah. uh, and cause I think it's one of the things that happens, you know, when you split off from someone you're really close to is you have sort of this fantasy version of who they were in your mind. And I think that's really inappropriate to, project that fantasy version onto another person and really expect them to live up to some, not just to live up to some ideal, but just, you know, it's it just very disingenuous because as becomes very clear through the episode is that Mark is still so in love with his wife, Diana, that um, yeah. he is ready to drop Shirley at the drop of, you know, he's, yeah. re- you know, just at a change of a slight change in the wind and a practically imperceptible shift. And yeah. he's gone. Yeah. It's unfortunate for Shirley. It really is, because geez, uh, she puts a lot of value uh, into this relationship. She works hard in this relationship, and then it just goes. We cut to Laverne at Cowboy Bills, who tries so hard. Yes, tries so hard. Frank's so here for her. Frank's trying. Everybody's listening. There are some great background extras here. Yes, specifically the chef who's working in the kitchen behind Laverne, who keeps smirking mm-hmm. as she as she sings. It's really noticeable. Really fantastic. Um, background actor mm-hmm. yeah I, as we mentioned um as you know or at least as known i think i mentioned this last time we ran into arthur silver as a writer this is the one episode he really would direct for the show and it's interesting how much detail there is in this episode uh down to even the double role um composite shots at the end and pointing out the extras is you know that's the kind of detail that you know a good um a good director working with this crew is going to like have those little like bits of spice like eh, can we get a little more background movement there can we get you know more natural here and there and so yeah it just it makes the scene really um come to life you know in a great way especially given that it makes it feel as if like it's not like this disparate she's singing in this fashion and nobody's reacting yeah 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 uh that's some great direction going on and that feels alive this episode in particular comes alive a mm-hmm. lot of ways mm-hmm. because um they uh managed to orchestrate the background actors very well they managed to orchestrate all the supporting players very well yeah i mean but like in the end uh, yeah well just to add on to your point is um the orchestration of it um when yeah. the boys get introduced later you know yes yes there's so much yeah. it's it's so much verve you know and and physicality yeah. and all that yeah 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 yeah, yeah. My note is everyone's trying so hard to encourage Laverne, but she's so bad. <laughs> I know it's she is, she yeah. is, but it's uh, but in the end, that's not really the point. Yeah, in the end, the point is that she's trying and she's doing something she loves, and she's speaking from the heart too. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think yeah. you, you put it really well that this is sort of like kind of her dark side, or at least her pessimism coming through. Because yeah. um, I mean, this song. I mean, I wrote the lyrics down. I mean, this is basically. You know, like we could get blown to bits, Cold War, nuclear horror, and life ain't fair, just ain't going nowhere. Um, I I still say, 
I still say just give her some distortion pedals, overcrank her mic on the amp uh, for the vocals, and she'd make a great punk yeah. punk rocker. She could have been like the Shags. Yeah. She could have been the Shags. My friend Footfoot. Foot. Like, uh. There is definitely is something punkish about it, though. She's being very influenced by this uh, early generation of coffee house, uh, beat music, folk music. Um, since we're in 1965, uh, Dylan, all that kind of stuff. Mm. So, and that plus it's it's her naturally dour nature to worry about nuclear war and along with the haircutting. Mm-hmm. So, poor Laverne. But, well, you know, hey, Pop was happy about it. He's helping her out yeah. and he's being sweet. And I, I still love his, you know, don't feel bad, honey. The crowd for the second show will be much better. They'll be drunk. <laughs> That's a great line. That is a terrific line. I love that line. I love that line. It makes me laugh every single time. <laughs> the, uh, the bit that gets me here is when um, Laverne encounters Diana, you know, the, the other woman arrives and we get this reveal that, you know, essentially it's the dual role. It's, you know, Cindy playing both parts. And yes. uh, then Pop comes back from the kitchen and they have this startled and slack jaw look on both Pop, yes. you know, father and daughter. And I, yes. I love that. Yes. Excellent acting from Penny and Phil. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Totally, completely wonderful. And then Cindy's line delivery. Thank, thank them, Bobby. Good night. Quiet yeah. family, aren't they? Yeah. I love that because she manages to completely differentiate Diana and Shirley without effort. Without effort, it's flawless. It's perfectly beautiful. Yeah, it's it's a very. I guess also the word I would use is crafted, and you know, like as speaking like as a director and my experiences with directing, this is where you get to like you give those little notes to mold the performance, but the actor is doing most of the work, putting that together, like constructing yeah. this this person. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the wonderful thing about acting. The way acting is a combination of direction it's an act and, uh, and acting and the actor mm -hmm. and the writer. Mm -hmm. you, you need all three components. If you don't have all three components, you're going to you know, ruin everything. It won't come off. Exactly. Yeah, you can put them in work. fancy costumes, you know, and good lighting and cinematography, but you know, then it's like, eh, it's, it's you know, th that helps, yeah. but it's it's not. Uh, that's that's where you're just turning them into fashion models or props, not uh, performers. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You, you, it's all about quality. It's mm. all about figuring it out. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, now Laverne knows things. Yep. And, and Laverne has to uh, avoid let, wants to let Shirley know she knows things, but afraid to let Shirley know she knows things. My favorite thing about this scene is the way. Cindy as Shirley just sits up like she's Frankenstein's monster because <laughs> she's got absolutely no sleep thanks to the music on the clock radio that Laverne sets off because she needs to talk to her and tell her everything. Mm -hmm. Um, notice Laverne has a new robe here. Yes, it is purple, not green, mm -hmm. and it's actually looks fresh and uh, plush. Yeah. Uh, notice the, and the music on the clock radio has been substituted. That is a Hotel California ripoff that is completely era inappropriate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my, my note is generic rock is generic. <laughs> in case everybody was wondering, this episode takes place in 1965 and Hotel California was released in 1977. Oh so. my god, that was way later than I thought it was. <laughs> way off. Yeah, the Eagles were big in like like the early 80s, late 70s, mid 70s. Wow. So, there you go. Um, 
I love the way this scene plays out. How Laverne like wants to get everything out. Shows she's tired. She doesn't believe her in either way because she wants this relationship. Mm -hmm. It's realistically messy and it's realistically very them. It then is. comes that yeah. Well, it and it's also the uh, the element of as we've often say and I often say you know Shirley trying to. You know, create. She feels like she's not having to pretend anymore about the perfect life. She feels that she's really close yes. to it. Yes. yes she, but she yes. doesn't realize the truth, which is that you know you're you're being used. You know, like yes. you're you're not you're not getting a real relationship here. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And she shouldn't have to um, compromise for anybody. Absolutely. You know, she should ha have what she wants and have it in a way that uh, doesn't involve her, uh, you know, selling herself out, basically. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, the, even the line that uh, Laverne says, you know, it's like all you need is a blonde wig, another pair of sweat socks in your bra. It's like what's really, you know, thankfully, this isn't like a situation like Laverne where she pretzels herself, as you as you wonderfully have yeah. put it over the years, that uh, to get into a relationship with a guy. But at the same yeah. time, you got to wonder how desperate could Shirley get eventually to start doing something like that? Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Shirley uh, will do various things to try to get a guy. We will eventually um, see her do this a bit more uh, around season seven. But in a way, Shirley never really has to do that to the degree that Laverne does because A, she has more confidence in herself and B, because she always has karma. Mm. She's always had Carmine to kind of uh, reinforce that what she's doing is correct. That she's always got somebody to fall back on and somebody who'll always desire her. Uh, Laverne kind of has that with Lenny, but she doesn't really want that with Lenny to some degree. Mm -hmm. It's worth noting because you know, the fallback guy, where who will, if 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 I'm desperate, you'll do no way. <laughs> mean to say, right, but, right. Yeah. Then comes a genuinely sweet conversation with Bob between Bobby and Laverne, which is incredible. Yeah, it's really it's and. That. And that whole scene, you know, does such a fantastic job of going from the uh, the comedy of it to the very special episode and showing his behavior and then getting to root of why he's why Bobby's acting out and uh, their chemistry. Is, I'm, I am so bummed he ne does never comes back onto the show because his chemistry with Penny is so good. Yeah, yeah, it is. Honestly, I honestly wanted. um them to uh, bring him back and for them to have more of a friendship because that's some solid rapport. Mm -hmm. And it really is. It really works really well. I mean, actually, the idea of the Mackenzies moving into Laurel Vista could have been interesting. You know, like the idea of they move into it, you know, what they consider. It's like, oh, you know, we could have the nice house in the suburbs, but Bobby's got friends here. He's getting along well with everybody, and making that making the Mackenzies a regular family in the the, the show. Could have been interesting. It would have given her, you know, Cindy would have had the chance to stretch her acting muscles more often. Yes. You know, Rhonda could, uh, we could have had the running joke where Rhonda's trying to seduce, you know, Mark at every turn, but every time he, th it's, you know, he's like, you know, oh, yes, it's, it's, it's like, you're right. It is beautiful, just like Diana. And, you know, he's yeah. <laughs> like, like comically in love with his wife, you know, I mean, yeah. Yeah. And then again, have Bobby get into misadventures with the boys, you know, because it just, yeah, it's, it's again, like we we keep having these guest characters and these one off characters through the show that like they end up being something you want to see come back and you know, they never will. Yeah. And, it, and it's like, yeah, it makes that time more special. But um, 
but this, you know, uh, by that same notion, it also is like, ah, it's it's so good. That's the only downside that I wish there was yeah. more. Because I mean, you know, the kid doing the target practice and how much of it is done in a single take and all of that. And you know, we were mentioning the directing before. You know, there is a level of subtlety and detail that you know we were yeah. noticing was coming back with uh, with Penny and Dating Game. And with Arthur, who had been on working on the show, you know, since like season two, I want to say, you get to see that sort of spirit come back because it feels like, you know, again, this is not to necessarily knock John Tracy. It's just he's a very like gun for hire mercenary director that he just kind of comes in, does like five or six episodes of a show and then bails. And that's pretty much what he did for most of his career. And it's really nice in this episode, especially one that, as we've already pointed out, it's not like cream of the crop top of the top of the pile but it's a um it's a solid episode that was given heart by the people who made it yeah exactly it was this show definitely 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 has soul you say a lot of things about it but it's got soul Mm -hmm. a lot of these episodes have personality and life and yeah yeah but you know, every every uh, every day in America, you know, an episode of Laverne and Shirley is born without soul. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I wish. Anyway, okay. <laughs> like uh, this leads into uh, a really great hello line. Mm-hmm. Oh God, it's one of my favorites so far this season. We're gonna miss the creepy monsters. Hello. <laughs> that's, uh. that's probably one of my favorite California. <laughs> for the boys uh and bobby is doing a ventriloquist act with squiggy right and he looks like a laverne lenny spawn here yeah as <laughs> you you enjoy very much enjoy pointing out to me and and enjoy that i yeah. could not argue against that <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but uh you know it, but that being said you know laverne please you're, you're letting your maternal glands run away with you <laughs> And I, I love also, though, how Lenny is so proud of it and so happy with it yeah. and, like, this big hype yeah. man. like uh, Yeah, yeah. It can't be done! It can't be done! <laughs> Two voices at once! It's like, oh, a doubter! A doubter in our audience! Yeah. Oh. A doubter in our audience! And then Keith either misses a line or Chow's line because David's uh, looking for something to say something. He goes, won't we? Silent. <laughs> Good. <laughs> he almost cracks up. He almost cracks up, but mm-hmm. he has to go for it. And they kept that take, which is really great. Yeah, I totally love that they did that. They, It's like, ah, oh, we'll, we'll make it work. It's funnier that way sort of thing. Yeah. It is. It's, it feels more real. Mm-hmm. It does feel more real. And since, since the boys would ad-lib and would write, rewrite their lines, it's like one of those natural moments you go, ah, mm-hmm. enjoy it. Uh, and the boys teach him the, the once is a man from Nantucket rhyme. Oh, yeah. Which, um, yeah, for those out there, uh, if you Google for it, uh, be warned that there are many different variants of varying (laughs) levels of naughtiness. Uh, I've seen quite a few, uh, quite a few doozies, but uh, yeah, I'm curious what the boys, which version the boys taught. I know. I know. Oh, I know. I know. We all know how it ends, though. Oh, yeah. And uh, Laverne knows knows it and cuts them off. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. well that's that's the thing right is and then also when yeah. they the father comes home to pick him up it's like i learned a poem yeah. too there once was a girl yeah. from nantucket it's like no he didn't covers no, his mouth yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. i gave you a chord to forget that <laughs> <laughs> only he didn't only he didn't Laverne. only he didn't mm-hmm. uh 
and then then Lenny going, and don't sign with nobody else. <laughs> oh, I love that bit. Yes. Yeah, because they, they know they have this talented kid on their hands that's ready to go along yeah. with their, you know, and yeah. Yeah. oh, gosh. Yeah, I kind of want more episodes where, he, where Bobby's just hanging around with them to try to train him into being like a junior Lenny and Squiggy. Yep. <laughs> Because I can picture this now in my head. That would be cute. It would have been super cute. And I love that he's uh he asks um uh Laverne to come to the his birthday party and bring the guitar too. And it's yeah. like my first fan. See, I mean those yeah. it's those details that are so yes. sweet. Yes, yes, yes. This may be an episode that is not perfect, but it's an episode that is sweet. Yeah. Exactly. Laverne, of course, then, you know, asking uh, Shirley, because her and Mark have been to a boxing match, you know, it's like, so how did he take him out? Did he get a right hook across the chin or did it body blows? And it's like, well, I don't know. You know darn well I have my eyes closed the whole time. And it's I'm just imagining Shirley being one of those those being mortified to be one of those people at the front row of like one of those Raging Bull style uh, boxing matches uh, where the blood splashes on them in the in the front row. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, Shirley would be so horrified. She'd run for her life. Oh, totally. Laverne would probably think it was cool. Yep. I can see her. I can see her just going with the flow. <laughs> but uh, yeah. 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 Uh, Shirley cut slowly comes to realize that um, she is be she is just replacing Diana. She's just a uh, substitute mm. for yep. her. Yep. And we get the. Uh, um, yeah, and that's yeah, that's right about the time uh, Diana pops in, right? To uh, yes, yes. And Shirley sees her for the first time. Mm -hmm. And we got a Patty Duke split screen. Yep. Very well. And was very well done for the time. I'm yeah. kind of curious how they, if it was optical compositing or if like they did some, I don't know, because usually on color film at this time, they would do these composites for these sort of shots. That was pretty poor. And this for 1980 for a TV show was done really well, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, honestly, I think that they uh, have some kind of experience at this point in doing this. Mm -hmm. because we have the Patty Duke show behind us. We have multiple episodes where somebody has played their uh, cousin or their identical twin or their long-lost brother and in the annals of sitcom history. Mm. So they've basically been doing this since the 60s. So by the time we land in the uh, uh, early 80s, it's easy enough just to have Cindy do a take on one side of the room and then Cindy do a take on the other side of the room and then composite them right together. Yeah. It's so, I yeah, mean, that's because that's the way like things get staged and, and it's which is, again, another case of I'm amazed that this is like his only major episode of Laverne and Shirley and Arthur is able yeah. to manage. So I guess I'm assuming then he just trusted his tactical crew to know what they needed to do. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, but this, but that said, for all the technical craft, we can point out um, the dialogue, the writing, the timing is incredibly done. Well, is incredibly yes. done. Uh, and yeah. I love Laverne having to get a picture because, of course, she has to. I love that she's super yeah. into photography of these sort of things. Yes, 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 yes. She wants to preserve those memories. Yeah, nobody's going to believe me. Nobody <sighs> believe me. Yeah. Oh, God. And, uh, yeah, I, again, we, we have to commend Cindy on just every, like, the faces, the finger bite, the twin performances. I mean, it. My note here is that it's almost like it shouldn't be this good. This show is like so tone deaf sometimes, but it's times like this they nail it. You know, it's it's really special. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's a good, it is a good. 
I really like this one. I really have a fond, deep fondness for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I had my eyes closed the whole time. <laughs> and maybe it's a sailor on leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, Laverne. Oh, goodness. The the line that I also really like is uh, the exchange of Diana saying, I think there's a very special man out there for you, just waiting to fall in love with you, she says to Shirley. And Shirley goes, really? You have his number? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Shirley, that is a great one. That's another, that's another good one. Yep. And, um, yeah, of course, you know, best friend has to come down to help, yeah. her get, help her get the good cry out. She's, she's trying to hold back, yeah. and it's like, nope, you got to get it out. Get it out, Cheryl. There you go. Yeah. Even yeah. takes a picture of to her tears. Fair, to be fair, this already happened uh, when uh, Laverne uh, had her heart broken back on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now, um, five years later, there she is doing the, returning the favor for Cheryl. Mm-hmm. Family! Family, absolutely. Family, uh, uh, you gotta love them. This is sweet. It is, and um, yeah. there's no tag scene. No, no, no I don't know if the, I, I'm pretty sure there probably was a tag scene. Didn't make it on the DVD. Okay, but uh, hmm, I wonder. So okay, now that makes me wonder if it's that the boys have a new a new kid for their their puppet act, or they're trying to do it with each other and it's it's not working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one says a hermit named Dave. <laughs> and we'll do the other one. We'll do the one about the ma- milkmaid. <laughs> I love it. Oh man, but uh, but yeah, um, this was a really you know special episode, and I, I, I hate to say it, we gotta we gotta do the behind the scenes uh discussion of the the uh behind the camera discussion of Joan uh, Joan Pagliaro and uh Arthur Silver, yeah. um. So Joan is returning from only a few episodes ago. Uh, she will go on to a very diverse rec- career writing TV scripts of the 80s and 90s. Um, her final credits being a pair of episodes for uh, The Lionhearts in 1998, which I cannot believe is a cartoon about the MGM lion as voiced by yeah. William H. Macy. <laughs> I've heard of that. Oh, that's great. Uh, but uh, oh. what's uh, kind of cool, though, is Joan also worked on Duet, which was the series co-created by fellow Laverne and Shirley alum Susan Seeger and Ruth Bennett as well as an episode Yay. of Cheers that was directed by James Burroughs. Ah, so, very cool. Very. It's awesome. It's, and the reason I say, unfortunately, bringing this up is that this is, I believe, Joan's only other episode, I think, for the show. We have... Uh, yeah. It's, it's, so, she had two good winners in this season, and then, you know, kind of... I don't know if it would be Greener Pastures, but it may have just been, you know, for whatever reason, just preferred to take the different gigs rather than stay focused on one particular room. But uh, yeah. in the case of Arthur Silver, the creator of Lansky's Beauties returns, Silver and Shirley. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, he had uh, done some writing for seasons one and two, including the fantastic Mother Knows Worse, which has some kind of similar, yes. you know, elements of Shirley uh, cre- you know, stuff. Yeah. But yeah, as said, this was his only directing credit for the show, as far as we know. It also was his last directing gig. Uh, he had done, I think, an episode or so before before this, but uh, he went back to just writing and producing. He was serving on, on Bad News Bears around this time. He was fresh off of Working Stiffs, which kind of, you know, f- floundered. Uh, he was just about to work on the script for the Chuck Norris actioner Mission in a- Missing in Action, which is uh, which he is credited as characters on the sequel, apparently. Yeah. But he would later serve as a producer and writer on a ton of Married with Children episodes, and with his last magic project being the creation and producing of writing uh, Unhappily Ever After. He produced 100 episodes and wrote nine scripts for that show. 
so yeah, thank we we got to give a shout out to these two because you know uh, so much of the soul of this episode that you know the the actors definitely are very inspired with the material, but these this writer this director the really gave it yeah. something to jump yeah. off from. Yeah, exactly. This is one of my favorite, uh, you know, kind of low key, less known episodes. Mm -hmm. It honestly is, and that's for all the reasons you mentioned. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Anywho, I think that's uh, that's time to rank it. Yeah, it is. Uh, this is a seven for me. Yeah, I'd say a this solid. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. About a seven point five because I really do enjoy it. I just um don't enjoy it uh, you know, to the point where I think it's an essential episode. But I'll be darned if this isn't a great character-based episode, some good humor, some good character-based humor, and some fun stuff going on at the surface. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I think seven, seven and a half, I think is is about for me as well. I I might keep, yeah, yeah seven and a half, because, I mean, Bobby, Keith is just too darn fun in this yeah. episode. Yeah, honestly, honestly. All that rap report is terrific. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. I think we've said everything we can say, you know, as much as we can. Um, but uh, cool. Does that uh, cover everything for today? Is there any other, any other notes, any other reminders, any other thoughts? Um, yeah. Not a thing. Not a thing on my end. I can't think of a single thing. Okay. Well, cool. All right. Well, thanks again, everybody, so much for joining us for Night After Night. And if you'd like to know more, you can join us on Twitter at NightAfNightPC or NightAfterNightPod on Facebook, Tumblr, WordPress, Patreon, YouTube, or wherever you may find your quality podcasts, such as ours. <clears throat> yes. Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully you'll make sure to join us for other episodes. And we also have watch-alongs and other stuff, you know, that we do and try to stay active in the community. Um, but anyway... Um, I feel like we're we're heading somewhere. We're going to be on the road again next time. Uh, Lisa, where are we going? Laverne Shelley takes on Rashomon in an episode where the girls accuse the boys of trying to assault them and the boys accuse the girls of trying to assault them. In any event, there is a, there is a Arizona motel room that has been utterly wrecked and the gang has to figure out who did what to whom. This is the road to Burbank. And it sucks. <laughs> Be prepared for us to rant. Uh, it's probably going to get an explicit rating. Um, it is the third part of the Laverne Shirley Date Rape Trioka. Second part. Second part of the Laverne Shirley Date Rape Trioka. Oh, God. Oh, no, that's right. We have one more. You've you've hinted we yeah. have one more. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. Well, we'll see everybody next time. Good Lord. I'm going to have to watch a Kurosawa movie to wash the taste out afterward. We'll go to the paint gun range. If you, and if you have a twin that looks like you, just be nice and offer them caught tea. And don't sleep with the husbands. Bye, y'all. Mm -hmm.